I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Dope Black Woman podcast, the podcast where we share stories of black excellence as part of our safe digital sisterhood. I'm Leanne Levers. I'm Rashan. You can call me Shan. I'm Livs. This week, we'll be discussing representation of Black people in theatre with Jolene Robinson. Hey guys, what's going on? Hey! Hey! I feel like this week has been a really heavy week. Long, draining, I know, mind-blowing. Right? I think I... I was orgasmic. To, that's orgasmic. What I that's what I need. <laughs> but I'm celibate. Oh, that's what you need. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Have you still not had an orgasm? I've been celibate for the whole podcast. I know, but you could have gone orgasm through other means. No, no, no. Like, fully celibate. Don't do anything. I have plans for this, by the way. We're going to rectify this next week. Next so, week? Yeah. <laughs> just wait for it wait for it (laughs) but just on that note i am still going strong guys yes that's what we love to hear very exciting when you say going strong are you using any toys friends oh the one we discussed this like oh yeah the one that's like a back rub the most amazing (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so everybody's gonna get a one you get a one you get a one it's actually get called a one. A one. it's actually called a one <laughs> <laughs> anyway on a separate note i think today is a really exciting episode like i am beyond excited to have one of my most favorite people in the world on the podcast today she's like one of the most amazing talented multifaceted dope Mm, boss. Oh, sorry. No, yeah, black. <laughs> Blackity black. All the way black. Blacktastic. <laughs> Creative artists on the podcast today. Um, so, Jalene Robinson is a performance artist. She's a creative who moved from Jamaica a few years ago. I'll let her give you the details. Um, she has an MA in theater, but she also is a trained environmental chemist. And yeah, so we're going to talk to her about her upcoming show called The Night Woman, which is being held at the Vault Festival on March 17th and 18th at a particular time, which she will give us more information about in a second. (laughs) I know I'm going to be there. I know all of the other women are going to be there. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Hi, Jules. Hello. Hey. Hey. (laughs) Is she talking about me? (laughs) (laughs) We are talking about you. Um, so yeah, as I said, you are multifaceted. Actually, a lot of the guests that we've had on are really multifaceted characters. Mm. Like they're all really dope women who do many things. Like all of the women I think we've had have had worn multiple hats, right? Mm. Yeah. 
Um, so Jules, let's start off with what makes you a dope black woman. Okay, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Oh. I'm so excited to be here. Um, you know, I should have thought about this before I came. <laughs> you didn't know I was going to ask you, though. I know, but I was like, I didn't really think about it. Okay, I am a dope black woman because I just am. You know, I kind of woke straight. up like this. <laughs> uh, but I love, I love black women. And I think one of the, I am most inspired by black women I have found. My partner always, you know, I'm a big Beyonce stan. And he he's always like, oh, but you don't love Jay-Z. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, Jay-Z's cool and everything. <laughs> but black women are magic. And I just want to be one of them. And I'm glad that I kind of, I'm in the club simply because I was born like this. <laughs> but, you know, I kind of work hard to be magic like all the other amazing women like y'all that you know i want to be yeah okay wicked um so as we discussed you are creative but you started out as a environmental chemist is that right that is correct. Tell us how that how did that happen? Why the deep sigh? <laughs> You're like, oh God, don't remind me. Like, trauma. <laughs> yeah. The well, T word. Well, um, so I was going to the University of the West Indies. Um, okay, I can go a little bit further back. I was in um, I was in high school, and I used to be in the performing arts from 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 I was very young. You know, everybody does JCDC in Jamaica, which is like a creative competition in Jamaica mm-hmm. that happens throughout the country and you have kids that compete in uh, different categories like drama and poetry and dance and different kinds of uh, creative mediums. Um, and they also have like a gospel competition every year. Am I right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they have like, um, they also run the Miss, do they run the Miss Jamaica World, uh, Miss Jamaica Festival Queen. Oh yes, they not, also but not do Miss that. So it's a big deal. Jamaica. Yeah, so it's a big commission that that houses the development of young artists in Jamaica. There used to be these women. You know how I just said I'm really inspired by black women. There used to be these two girls who were amazing dancers because I used to dance first. I and didn't know this. Yeah, wow. so I used to dance first, and then there were these beautiful women called Sasha and Murphy. I will never forget their names, and they used to dance so beautifully, and I wanted to be like them. But they were in sixth form, so they were leaving to go to college afterwards. And they left, and I, and I just didn't have anybody to inspire me. And I'm, I'm kind of one of those people. So I, like, kind of, it petered out. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to focus on my studies, and I'm going to focus on my academic work. And I decided to, like, really go in on the sciences because I really loved that. And so I went through, through high school, and I had this one chemistry teacher that was not great. Anybody who knows me <laughs> knows about this teacher. And we, we really butt heads because I would be like, sir, that's wrong. And I just can't <laughs> understand why. <laughs> and, and then, you know, he'd be, like, mad at me. And then we'd have, like, a whole blackboard of chemistry equations that we just worked out. And then he'd come back the next day and be like, guys, um, so, you know, Everything that we did yesterday was wrong. <laughs> oh, sorry, I was—I know, right? So I was just I like, in Jamaica, you pay for education. We do. We do. <laughs> so you're paying for someone to teach you the wrong things. Look here. So it was so bad, and I decided, you know what? I'm just gonna do this myself. So I really got like 
got my hands dirty when it came to chemistry. Um, and I was like, I did really well. I was one of the highest grade students in the in the entire school mm-hmm. by the end. And I said, okay, what am I going to do when I get to college, when I go to university? What am I going to do? So I decided, okay, I'm just going to do what I know and what I love. And it turned out to be chemistry because I didn't want to do biology and I hated math or I wasn't good at it after a certain point. Um, so I was doing that. But then I think I had like learning difficulties when I got to college. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was having a really, really hard time like learning. Like my, I think my style of learning needed to change and I didn't know that my style of learning needed to change. Mm. So I got really depressed in college. So for like the first year, the second year of, it, of being in college, I hid for the entire year. I would go to labs, which are all day, go to my classes, which are in the morning and the evening. And for all the other times, I would be in this classroom in the back of the school by myself with my computer just there. And I didn't make any friends and I didn't talk to anyone. And I went away to the United States to like work at, at a camp counselor. And I, when I came back, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I need to, I need to like live. I need to do, I need to mm. enjoy my college days. And I had this one friend from high school who was there and she was in the drama club. And she was like, Jules. Just to clarify, by college you mean university? University, right? yes. Awesome. Am I yeah. making? Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry, I University did the of the West Indies. <laughs> um, so I saw her, and I and I said, you know what? I think I'm just gonna. I know you, so I'm just gonna stick with you. <laughs> <laughs> and she she said, okay. Uh, so I'm going to. I am the president of the drama club this year. So I'm just gonna. I, I have drama club meetings on Thursdays. So I was like, look, I don't I don't do that kind of stuff. <laughs> so I'm going to come with you, but I'm purely there for moral support. Do not ask me to do anything. I'm not doing anything. Okay? I'm not doing anything. And she's like, you don't have to do anything. You can just come. And I would sit in the back and just be there for like several weeks. And then one day, a group had lost a person. And they, the, they were beside me trying to discuss how they're going to work this out because there was a competition coming up and they needed a, another person to say one line. And I was, <laughs> I was just like, okay. I was sitting there listening to them working out and, I was, and there was a, a thought that just popped up into me like, ask me. Please, please ask me. But I didn't want to say it out loud. So this whole time, for all these weeks, you're going there and just chilling? I'm just sitting, yeah, in the back. The very back. With the laptop. No, I didn't have my laptop. I was just there <laughs> because I wanted to be available for my friend if she needed me to do anything. Mm. So I just, I was engaged. I was listening. I, was, I, I wasn't participating, but I was aware of what was happening. Yeah. And if I needed to do something, I'd be able to help her because she was also, it wasn't very easy for her because, yeah, it wasn't very easy for her. <laughs> so I was there to be like, it's going to be okay. What do you need me to do? What can I do? I'm just not going to do that. Okay, because you like obviously had this love for the theatre and for the arts from like young that kind of like was there and then, you know, disappeared. Was there this part of you when you were sitting there watching? Was there this part of you that's like, oh, maybe, maybe I should <laughs> like maybe I should just put my hand up. I or was it like, so. no, no, I think so, because I always loved it, but I just didn't 
I wasn't able to articulate it like like that. I wasn't able to say like I really love this. I was just there. But, but do I, you think like earlier on you said that you had depression at this during this time? Mm-hmm. So do you think I know like a lot of people when they have depression they they go like very insular and they don't want to do anything they mm. enjoy doing. Yeah. So like listening to it, it doesn't really make sense that you're like this is your passion. You're just watching everyone else do it. <laughs> But then when you put the hat on of like, actually, she had depression at this time, it kind of makes sense why yeah. you wouldn't want to get involved. Yeah, maybe. Because I, mean? I, I didn't I didn't have the language at the time. So I wasn't mm. able, to, able to consider it depression. It's yeah. when I look back at it, I was like, oh, girl, you were so sad. Yeah. And not, <laughs> not like just sad, but like you had some serious things going on. Mm. Um, because my grades were slipping and I was always like a really, uh, I was always a top student. Mm. And when I saw my grades slipping, it was really hard for me because I mm. didn't know how to... I didn't know how to deal with that because mm. I, I, my father is also very much, acad- he's an academic. And so our grades are important and our academic achievement is important. Mm. And I, my grades were slipping and I didn't know how to fix it. And I didn't know how to talk to people. I tried going to like the counseling center that helps you figuring out how to time manage and to study and none of it was working. So I really, really drew back Mm. and I went there because I needed I know I know I needed to kind of open up a little bit and I had to change something but I wasn't thinking of it as theater was my passion or arts was my passion I didn't have that kind of language at the time how did it feel when you did go up on stage like in that moment was it like a light bulb like yes this is where I was supposed to be all this time no (laughs) (laughs) so you had one line my one line what was the line line? my one line was um, I was chewing gum and I was a waitress and it was in a British accent and I walked in and it was like Cockney accent so it was like wait say that again Cockney Cockney accent Cockney yeah Cockney (laughs) (laughs) I am not sure if I was very good but I just walked on stage and I was like hello governor (laughs) was that the line it was that was the beginning of the line (laughs) (laughs) but they meant I practiced those lines (laughs) Look, you're like, hello. Hello? Hello. 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 How should I say it? And the thing is, it wasn't a great night. So there were maybe like five people in the audience. One of them was the lecturer of the center. (laughs) That was four. (laughs) So I walked on and I said my line and I heard somebody chuckle (laughs) in the back. And I I walked off and I was like, oh God, thank God I did it. I did it. I'm done. I don't have anything else to do. And it was fine. And I was like, my best friend was like, girl, you did good. It was okay. Yay. I was like, oh, Jesus. Oh, I don't think I want to do that again. And a couple of weeks later, the one of the lecture, the tutor that works at the at the the center, it's called the Philip Sherlock Center. His name is Michael Holgate. He's amazing. And he called me in his office, like, Jules, can you sing? I was like, um, um, he's like, sing something for me. And at the time, I had this India Irie song stuck in my head. And I only know, like, two lines <laughs> out of the song. So I was like, yeah, yeah, sing something. And I sang the song. And he's like, okay, you can sing. I'm casting you in a play. I'll see you at rehearsal tomorrow at 5 a.m. And he kind of just... 5 a.m.? 5 p.m. 5 p.m. Who the hell was getting mad? 5 p.m. But with two lines. And he walked away. So I was just like, did you just say... I'm going to play and, and I'm going to have lines like and I'm going to sing. <laughs> <laughs> and I I've never really sang before mm-hmm. that and I he, I, he, I I 
Exactly like that. I, <laughs> I called, um, I went to my friend. I was like, Veronique, listen, Michael just said this. And so she's like, yay. I'm like, no, no. And she's like, it's going to be fine. He's really good. It's going to be fine. This is perfect. I think you're going to do a good job. And it was a woman in a British accent. And he chose me because on of my one line. <laughs> and that was my first musical. That's hilarious. Oh, yeah. And then I was like. I like this. I really like this. What? And I made really good connections mm. to the people that were involved. And I really realized that, oh, wow, I, I love this kind of coming together and where we have a, a bigger purpose. And I really like the craft, mm. like the, 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 the work that you had to put in behind it to make it what it is. And it's not something you can do by yourself. It, you have to do it together. Mm. And I really, I was like, oh, I think I... I think I really like this. But I, talking about go ahead. Talking about things coming together, obviously you've got your show coming up. So talk to us a bit about that and the inspiration behind it. Oh God. It's really hard. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it's making a show is not easy. Um and th- I think things fall apart before they come together. And I think at the moment I'm I'm in the, that middle part where things are just not going the way that I want it to go. But every now and again I have that little moment when I'm like, oh, okay, okay, that that that's good, that's good. I I, I can work with that. <laughs> so yeah, it, there's a little bit of that going on right now. So what prompted the Night Woman? Like, how was the Night Woman born? So I came to London to do my master's in theater and a part of the master's program was to do an independent research. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do my research on. Um, We do two um, research papers, one small one and one big one that you have to like go in the studio and you have to work and, you know, think of a new idea. Um, And the first one I did was just playing with this idea of playing like, what does that really mean um, in terms of playing with what children do and playing that we do on stage and incorporating voice and all that stuff? And it was really, really academic. And I was like, OK, for the big research project, I wanted to do something that was personal, that's something that I wanted to invest time and energy in. And I realized, OK, maybe I could talk about... Um, performance because performance is really important to me I love a good performance and it doesn't really matter if it's in theater or if it's in art or if it's a podcast or like if a car can perform well I will stand you (laughs) you just need to perform well and I really really I'm very much invested in that and my the way I perform is very much rooted in where I come from Mm. and I didn't know that until I was like trying to figure this out um and so the night woman came about because I was toying with this idea of artists as people who conjure things who bring things forward to be seen that were previously not seen i'm gesticulating a lot but i'm I'm hoping it's translating (laughs) through sound um so it's like we artists are are sort of like magicians Mm. so we make things happen that you don't really know how they happen and i consider that i thought of that as also um like a like a the 
the like a Caribbean witch then, which is also called an Obia woman in Jamaica, which my grandmother have been regarded as. And I always consider her as somebody who is able to have things, wisdoms in her head. And she will say, okay, you just need to go drink this and put that together and drink that and, and go sleep, you know, or, or get me a coconut and she'll wash your feet in coconut water. And, and even if none of those things are, you know, magic, quote unquote magic, but the, the act of having a person enact something that is caring for you, I Mm. find that to be magical because even, the act of caring for a person, regardless of how that is done, you process that as care and therefore you allow yourself to be cared for. Mm. And so I find that in that space, that's where magic lives. And I thought, oh, I'm very much, I think of myself creating characters in that kind of a, in that kind of a way. I have to let myself be that person. And so I was like, okay, the night woman, the the obia woman is a is a person who conjures things, and the artist is somebody who also conjures these new characters, these new experience, and bring them forward. And I, and I dug deep into that. And then while I was going through that, I was like, okay, what does this woman has to? What does she have to say? She have things that she wants to say. What are those things? And then I started investigating what that would be, and then I realized it led into what the night woman is today. I feel like you're about to ask me a question. I was just going to say, well, I want to know what she has to say. Like, why is her story important? Okay. So I was, I moved here three years ago and I've never, I've never had to interact with my blackness until I came to this country. When I came to this country, everything was telling me, oh, you're black. Oh, you're black. You're black. Do you know you're black? You're really black. Girl, you so black. (laughs) And I'm just like, yeah, okay, okay, okay. I know, I know, I know, I know I'm black. Is it that? No, you you really need to know that you are black. (laughs) And I was just like, okay, wow. And then I started looking around and I see that people, you know, all this nowadays, Anything that happens, there's a lot of noise from the black community. So a lot of companies have been making mistakes recently. Mm. And, you know, I started realizing that, okay, we have a lot of problem with blackness, with darkness. I'll go back to the root. So the Obia woman is like this magic woman in Jamaica, right? And Obia, like on the books, constitutionally, is a practice that you cannot, you cannot do in Jamaica. And for me, when I think of that, I think of the Obia woman as being banished into the dark spaces, into the unknown, unseen spaces, unknowable spaces. If a person is going to go to Obia Manor or Obia woman in Jamaica, they have to do it under secret. Yeah, secrecy. I was thinking, when you were talking about it, so opening on the podcast, <laughs> I, I, know, right? I, I grew up thinking that was something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah very much so. <laughs> and through my research, because I was doing, I, I really went into this, the research is like, Obia in and of itself is just a collection of, African spiritual traditions that didn't really get the opportunity to amalgamate and become a religion the way Santeria does, the way Candomblé does in Brazil and and those kinds of now 
serious religions. Mm. So Obia is just a collection of practices. And when you look in the research, the way people, the majority of people engage with Obia for healing, protection, um, they just want to know that they're going to get a husband. They're trying to protect their kids. They just are unwell and they want to heal. It's not necessarily to cause harm to another person. Mm-hmm. Those are outliers that, you know, that happens, but it's not. Mm-hmm. But the way in which it is communicated is that it's all for evil. And why is it because it is a spiritual tradition that is rooted in blackness because the way we engage with anything dark anything black is that it's all bad mm. when we when we the way we use our language is oh it was a dark place mm. it was a dark time in my life oh he's dark it was so dark and you just know it was bad it was horrible the worst kind of thing that's what dark is unless it's dark and lovely unless it's dark and handsome. Mm-hmm. It's not when it's just dark on its own. It's it's, it's bad. bad. And I'm and and when I think of it, the Obia woman, that magic woman, that healer woman, exists in that space. So how can we conceptualize that it's all bad? And I I find it problematic when I hear how does when I say it as a black woman because I've been told mm. I'm black so as a black woman when I say oh it, it was a I had a dark thought what what does that really mean mm. am I inherently calling what I am bad, bad. without even you use those sort of understanding it terms and phrases before you came here what yeah. like when you lived in Jamaica or like the US would you use words like dark as a, as, as a negative connotation. Yes, it still happens. Okay. Like in Jamaica, it's like in darky. Yeah. Like, you know, like. <laughs> and by meaning, like, he's ignorant. He's yeah. ignorant, yeah. or he is a horrible kind of person, or he is quick tempered, or yeah. something. Yeah. Mm. But I find it interesting that you said that it's only when you came to the UK that your blackness was really kind of brought to. Your att- I was about to say brought to light, mm-hmm. which is so interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that your um, blackness is really brought like to your attention because, like, in my head, in I mean, like, I don't know how long you spent in America, but in my head, in the US, like, you know, because they have the whole one drop rule, like, being black is like the first thing people see about you. So, did you not have that experience when you were in the United States? Um, my time in the United States, and I didn't spend a long, a long, 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 long time in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> um, I li- I was, I spent a lot of time in the woods with kids. And it was woods. yeah, in like the forest countryside area. There. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you did a degree. <laughs> Why are you doing it in the woods? Uh, because it was like it was my summer jobs. And I was there for long. Oh, like camps, time. Like, like summer camps. camps. Oh, yeah. oh, you didn't set that up properly, was, girl. Like, very, very... I was in the woods with kids. I was like, <laughs> in the woods, like <laughs> just in the woods. <laughs> I was like, why did you go all the way to America to go to get a job? <laughs> but like no. summer camps. I went to, I, okay, I that makes spent, sense. Um, I went, spent about three years at a summer camp where yeah. we Like Camp America, those yeah. kind of American things. Okay. camps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, the, oh, the camp that I was at called themselves the happiest place on earth, which okay. it's true. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that is Disneyland. I, I'm pretty sure <laughs> they call it right that. Like. <laughs> it's called the Friendship Camp and... I was at that camp with, and maybe I was one of maybe two black person that was there. And there was one day that I I was in the toilet and I was pooping. And <laughs> we need the details. Uh, you know, I was in the toilet. I, I was went orange. to the far away 
where nobody is supposed to be at. And I was in there pooping and somebody walked in. And I was into like, oh my the God. toilet or into the bathroom? Into the bathroom. Generally. Okay. So I was yeah. in the cubicle. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's going deep. I don't know. I know. <laughs> and she and the person walked in and I was like, okay, maybe they won't know it's me. And then I was like, wait. You're the only black person here. <laughs> You're the only black female here. So they they are going to know that it's you. Mm. But I realized in that moment that I had forgotten that I was black. Mm. That and and not in a in a in a way that I've forgotten my blackness, but it it didn't matter. Yeah. yeah. So when I that time when I spent there, I spent it in such a way that it's a curated experience and not me going to Hartford or going to the hard parts of Connecticut or being in New York, Mm. which I did later. Wait, pause. Are you embarrassed about pooping? No. But at the time, I was really young. How young is young? I was... No, but I would be Like 20? Oh, it's not In a strange place? Yeah. It's a natural If you gotta go, you got to go. Like, and especially here at camp. People are doing nastier things than pooping. Which is why I've never been to camp before. The only reason I've never been to camp is because I'm not trying to poop in the woods. Or outside my house. No electricity. Yeah. No running water. No, no. No, 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 no. perfectly understandable. And it smells and you're like, and the pr- no, I didn't want that. And then everyone's like, who pooped? Yeah. <laughs> but I was going to say, I think also culturally, there are just more black people there. So even when you're interacting with people who aren't black, they're, you, they're not, it's not a... In Jamaica? No, in the US. Okay. It's not a novelty necessarily. Whereas mm. I think here, the fact that you are black is literally highlighted so much by the fact that there are so few of us, relatively speaking. I mean, black people make up one point something percent of this population whereas they're almost 50 minorities are almost 50 percent of the population Mm. in the states yeah i do find it mad that like even people i work with like apart from me it's like they don't know any other black people in their lives yeah like it's just not a part of their life which i find so strange because i still go to places now here in this country and i'm still the only black person in the room and i'm just like where are all of them how did i manage to get here and no one else did you know Mm. it's and i and I find that in in places where I would not expect to be the only black person still there. Do you identify those spaces where you're not, where you are the only black person or where you walk into those uncomfortable spaces as dark spaces? Like, is that something that provides inspiration mm. for going? Do you see what I mean? No, say that again. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, ooh. <laughs> so you just mentioned that you still find it strange and uncomfortable when you walk into spaces and you're like the only black person there. Mm-hmm. But obviously you're surrounded by white people mm-hmm. who are juxtaposed your darkness with their lightness, mm-hmm. right? And I'm say I'm asking for you, when you walk into those spaces of lightness, mm-hmm. do you identify that as a dark space? Does that? Yeah. Huh. No, I don't think so. I try... You really thought you were onto something yeah, there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you are. I got, yeah, I got... I got <laughs> and what, but, why, but why would I think of it as a dark space? Well, because it's... Well, if we are keeping with the same idea the around... Thing. Yeah, around... Yeah. Um, it's almost like flipping the script almost. So whereas you're identified or dark is identified as negative or bad... Mm-hmm. What really is negative or bad is when you're in a space where you're uncomfortable or where you're at prone to being where there isn't enough darkness. To, yeah, where there isn't enough darkness, where there isn't enough safe space of blackness to protect you and surround you. Mm. So when you walk into spaces that are white, where you're 
susceptible to issues of racism? Um, can we then identify that as a dark space? And I guess maybe what I'm asking is when you're exploring um, the night woman, what is her dark space? And what is her inspiration for, um, what is her journey into dark spaces? So you see, I, when I think of that, I've been trying my best with this production, this exploration, to not juxtapose the exploration of okay. darkness with lightness. Because I think we, whenever we think media have always asked us to pit the two against each other. Mm. And for this production, I'm trying my best. What would happen if we only stayed in the dark? Okay. So we are not concerned about the light because why can't darkness stand on its own as a place that has the nuance that can, that can consist of goodness, vileness, grotesqueness, seduction, joy, why can't that space be a space that have that? You know what I mean? Mm. Why can't the girl who is running to the airport for love be wearing all black? Right. You know what I mean? And I don't want it to be... Okay. I don't want it to be that I am exploring darkness because I'm trying to lean it against light. what lightness is. And I'm trying to challenge our ideas of lightness because of I'm trying to create nuance and darkness. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, let's stay here and see. It's difficult because I, I, I don't know where to go sometimes because I'm like, okay, it's so easy for me to think of dark spaces as spaces that have mental health issues, that have serial killers, that have grossness in it. But it's harder to to find those spaces that is much, quote unquote, lighter in mm. nature but still exist in that dark space what does that look like and I'm re- it really challenges me and I, and, and I think it's important because if so be the case if we can find a way to have nuanced experiences within that dark space it makes it more difficult to say I'm going through a dark time mm. Mm. as a black person especially because then what does that really mean because darkness should have all its nuances. Mm. Do you realize that you have white, off-white, white-green, aqua-white, but then dark black colors don't have those kinds of descriptive to tell you the mm. different shades of black. And I'm like, okay, let's white's doing its thing over there. Do you boo? But let's. <laughs> but what? But what can we find out? They recently discovered a a, a pigment that is so black. It makes you feel like you're falling into space. Mm. And that just happened the other day. And and so that tells me, okay, you have a black so black, it makes you feel like you cannot perceive space. Yeah. And then you have this kind of black versus this kind of black that looks a little bit more gray, that looks a little bit, it has a tinge, like what? More ashy. If, you know what I mean? So if I <laughs> Me was, in the morning. <laughs> if I was experiencing something that is difficult or heavy mm. and I'm able to say, okay, I'm, I'm experiencing this and it's this shade of dark, mm. you know? And so I don't want to lean it, lean mm. it up against blackness. And I was having problems 
figuring out who I was speaking to when I was making, I'm, I'm, I'm devising this piece because mm. I found that a lot of time I have a habit of talking to white people. Mm. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I want to talk to you, to you, to to another black person within and invite people into that experience instead of saying, I'm doing this because I don't agree with that. You know what I mean? Mm. I'm trying my best not to do that. It kind of feels like this whole process has been a lot of a learning curve for yourself and you've been on a journey yeah. and asking yourself a lot of questions throughout the whole yeah, and I don't necessarily think I'll have all the answers by the time I get there. What, what, but what is it you're hoping the audience is actually going to get from the playing? I am hoping that we are able to sit more comfortably in dark. In when we get confronted with negative ideas, when we get confronted with heavy things, when we get confronted with talking about slavery and those mm. kinds of heavy things how how can we sit comfortably in that space mm. that's what i want the audience to do so there will be a lot of darkness so if you're <laughs> afraid of the dark you know i was just thinking that actually because when i was growing up and i don't know if this applies to you guys as well i was very much afraid of the dark like i literally anytime somebody would shut off the lights i'd literally run out of the room and i now, still do that now yeah. <laughs> my room door has to be ajar I don't, I don't like my room to have light on it but my room door needs to be like ajarred and then the bathroom light has to be on. But it's interesting oh, because right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel that. I feel I mean? like yeah, I was yeah. afraid Ambulance. of the dark. I thought you meant like as in like <laughs> having the door slightly open and there's just darkness outside. I'm like, girl, that's no. Even worse. That's even worse. <laughs> no, 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 Anyone no. could come in. No, no, that's but the light on makes the big difference. But yeah, I realised that outside. I was afraid of the dark when I was younger because I didn't know what was going on around me. Yeah. But now, as an as an adult, I love being in the dark, no. and I love just no. sitting there and just like being. It feels peaceful to me mm. to just be. I don't like having doors open when I'm trying to sleep. I mm. want complete blackout, which is an interesting transition from from childhood being afraid of it to adulthood. And I'm wondering. So that's what, what yeah. the night woman is trying to, to to explore. She's like, okay, come sit with me. You are out there waging war against everything come come just come just come be here just chill let's you, just feel what that's about you know you guys ready you, to come sit in the darkness be, with jews maybe yeah, I, mean, I don't know <laughs> you should be I'm afraid not i'm not saying you shouldn't be afraid be afraid because when i first did a scratch of this the audience which were majority white did say to me oh she was very she had a lot of rage and i was like yes you need to be able to sit with that. Let's sit with some black rage. Mm. Mm. But also, like, think about what is possible when you are in the dark and how, you know, you, you, we make love in the dark. Oh, yes. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> That's the only time I don't mind the lights off. You know what I mean? The door's so not ajarred. That kind it's of loud. stuff. And it's in the loud. dark, you, you get to explore bodies in a different way. So you're Ooh, not look. You're not exploring a body with your eyes. Yeah. You explore Every that body with touch. With the tongue. Your, you know oh. how my shoulder blade leans against his lower no. chest. Mm. You know what I mean? <laughs> or or her the nape of her hip with my elbow or something. Oh. Mm. You know you you get to you get to explore it differently when you don't resist what darkness is. Mm. And and I'm like this this night woman is like. You need this. Come in. I'm really looking forward to it. Because now. we have waged so much war against darkness. Every action hero film out there yeah. is about light 
t- taking care and trying to d- obliterate darkness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm just like, true. why? Why, why, why? Mm. Even like, I think what was really interesting that you touched on, because it was such a like vivid example about, you know, in a romantic film when a girl was running to the airport, like she would never wear black. black. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, black. yeah, it's no, but it's so interesting that um, I'm trying to think of it. Like, even when you wear black, it's like you're giving off a certain connotation. Mm, yeah. It's like um, growing up and being told, you always wear too much black. Yeah. Or even like my mum. Mm-hmm. My mum told my brother all yeah. the time. My brother's always in like dark colours. And my mum will be like, you need to have bright colours. Get yellows, get orange. Get yeah, pink. yeah. But it's, and like, like, it's the same association. Yeah, and when you compare that to seeing a white woman in a white dress, and it's the, like, yeah. she's the purest yeah. thing known to man. Like, yeah, yeah and it's interesting. Like, or even when a white woman is wearing black, she's seen as sophisticated. Like, she's wearing her little black dress. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. because the darkness of her attire is juxtaposed against her whiteness it somehow makes the black more acceptable mm-hmm. makes it more edgy yeah mm. but um <laughs> well I thought that was Shoreditch <laughs> this is the Dope Black Women podcast you mentioned that like when you first performed or when you first showed this play it was a majority white audience so I want to get into like the theatre and you know appealing to black audience members um, and what that looks like so I think first of all I want to ask like how much of a problem do you think it is like is the theatre still very white dominated in your opinion yes <laughs> and that's that <laughs> I um, I work on the West End and at the moment, there's, you know, you have the staple West End shows. And at the moment, we have, what, three, maybe four black-dominated productions that are going on. Um, we have Hamilton, Lion King. Is there another one? I'm, I'm trying to think. I can't even I think I feel like four. there's another one. Mm, West End. Uh, the Thriller. Aladdin. And, uh, Aladdin is no Tina more there. Tina Turner. Sister Act is just coming, so it isn't here yet. Uh, Tina Turner is it's there. the third one, yeah. But when you look at the the rest that's a very small percentage mm. Mm. and i think there was a year when every remember that year when nine night came out oh, and yeah. mist came out mm. and those were like some of the first productions that are coming to the west end that coming to the west end that were that are not like from america that is not the hamiltons or not the the tina turners um and and it was such a big deal yeah. And I was just like, hmm, wow. The first, did you know that black British theater started in like the 1950s? Oh, wow. The 1950s is not a long time ago. Yeah. And did you know the first production that they attempted to put on the West End was Moon on a Rainbow Shawl from the Trinidadian Rito. Oh, and. Um- they decided that they're not going to do it because it's not going to be acceptable and it's not going to make money. And so they decided to to move it to, I think, the royal um, court. And between then, the amount of black writers and black producers that are coming forward is not that much. I say to myself, you know how if you need some Chinese food, you know where to go? If you yeah. need some, some Indian food, you know where to go? If you need some, some pub food, you know where to go? If you need some black theater, do you know where to go? Mm. Drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where, it's a search. There is, there is space for everything because everything is already here. So why isn't there a space where but, if I mm. want to go and be like, okay, what's, what's, what's serving now in black theater? But do you think there's enough 
like resources for there to be that. That's the thing. Because I feel like when I'm listening to it, it's like, oh, it's a lot of, it's a, it's a white dominated space. Great. Like, I mean, not great, but I mean, like, it's not great, yeah. But then also, I feel like in a lot of black families, we're not encouraged to do that. So, like, even when you were talking you about. Can't like, afford it. Yeah, that as well. But yeah. when you were talking about, like, when you started out, you was like, in a little theatre production. Mm-hmm. So I know my little brother, he was in theatre. And like all my siblings, other than me, I, I, I had anxiety too. <laughs> and it lasts very long. <laughs> but like, we was all encouraged to go to like, stagecoach, help you with mm. confidence. And from a lot of my, my, my siblings actually want to perform. But that comes with a lot of expenses. So I remember like, going far to go to these places for my brother to perform or paying these expensive tickets. And you don't want to, if your child's performing, you can't be sitting at the back because all the all the other friends, their yeah. parents are right at the front and they're so expensive. So it's like, I kind of get, I can kind of understand, I think, why it is so white dominated because there's so much finance that goes into supporting these. In, into supporting them. Yeah. There was a couple of years ago when there was a lot of black theater. There were so many mm-hmm. black theaters here. You may not know them now because they have all long gone because there is no money to keep them going. There's nobody investing money into them and so they can't sustain themselves and they have to go. And now one of the only ones we have, the oldest ones we have, I think, and please correct me if I'm wrong out there, is the Talawa Theater Company. Oh, and that's yeah. and and that's one of them that happened to have survived. You mm. know what I mean? And there were quite a lot of theater companies out there that would have been able to offer job opportunities, different kinds of experiences for di- for young people coming up. Because now when people go to these drama schools and stuff and they come out there is like not a lot that you can Mm. aspire for Mm. because there's just so much it reinforces the idea that the pie is only so big and you only have a small part Mm. and so and it's really it's really difficult for that Mm. but there's also like so much um cultural stigma attached as well i think to the theater that it is a place for the white middle class because i think that you know it's it's like it's almost like the chicken and egg because it's like you need the shows, but then you need the audience to go oh, to the shows in order for them saying. to survive. Because like in, you know, in fairness, there are quite a few, um, you know, theatres that put on performances like you mentioned Royal Court, Bush Theatres and mm. on that you can get a ticket for like £15, which is like the same price as like going to the cinema. Mm. But you will not see black people in the audience because mm. they just feel like this place isn't made for them, even when yeah. it's a black show. Yeah, that's true. Do you think that that's shifting at all in any ways? Like I'm thinking about some of the efforts that are being put forth to make uh, theatre more appealing to and black people. Yes, but yeah. I think it com- I think yeah. it starts with us. I think a lot of it starts with us. I think sometimes we can't always be like these. Which I made the comment a minute ago about like how our families have made us to view things. So like I grew up a lot doing a lot of stuff so like I went to the theatre growing up so to me that's not like a new or like a it's normal, a yeah. weird experience yeah. I've got a lot of friends who've never been to the theatre and yeah. it's not because they're scared to go they think it's a white place that's just not their norm but then when you ask them well why haven't you been I just haven't but you've been to the cinema 15 times you must be tired of the same seats do you know what I mean like, <laughs> <laughs> but you want a different experience mm, get, yeah. but then, but if you look if they dig deeper as to why they're not and talk to their parents and then their parents didn't go and then their parents why didn't you go because it was only for white people mm-hmm. and when you go deep it, a lot of it's comes back to like racism and like classism and things like that mm-hmm. do you get what I mean it's true because the, when, going to the theatre here especially on the West End you know, you don't know how many times I've seen people walk into the theatres and it's like wow they don't know what to do with themselves because everything is so nice there's huge chandeliers mm. there's bronze carving on the walls 
And then you don't know what to do with yourself because you've never actually had to exist in that space. Mm. Um, but I don't necessarily think it's on it's on us alone mm. because I just think it isn't made available. Now, it, it you can't. You can actually just walk into a theater in the foyer and ask how much the tickets are, even if you've never gonna, you're never going to go. But who tells the people who have those generations of people that it's okay to come? Like... Because at this point, you're going to need somebody to make it available to you so that you know that it is an option. There's so many different kinds of theater jobs that people just don't know about because it's just not on their radar. Mm. You know, it's not they're not advertising these jobs in their in those kinds of areas. So you're never going to know that that is possible for you to even choose. Yeah, it's like we went to the Brit school and there was like a role there like called technical theater. And I was mm. like, why are people? I was like, why do people do a course in this? Like, what's going on? Mm. And it was when I like Look. spoke to my friends in there on those courses. They make there was money. a whole new, yeah. whole new world yeah. that I never even knew was a thing. Yes, mm. I was just going to ask about that. Actually, being kind of not part of the audience, but part of the creative process of producing or creating art. Do you feel like there are barriers for you as a black woman? So. Immediately what I think of is like the cultural barrier, because I think as I don't know if this is true of Britain or British culture, but for me growing up, exploring the arts was something that I was told not to do because it's not a pathway out of it's not a pathway to survival. Mm. It's like education is the only way to be successful. You Mm. need to be a lawyer, you need to be a doctor, you need to be an architect, an engineer. You have to have a profession. Yeah. Mm. Hence the chemist. And so I'm wondering in transitioning out of that and taking the brave step to become an artist, what challenges have is that a challenge or was it a challenge? And what challenges have you found moving forward? It is a challenge because um when I started I started in a place that was majority black right um yes okay in Jamaica my dad my my dad's only requirement of all of us is be the best he's like if you're gonna clean the street you need to have a PhD in cleaning streets so that if anybody asks you about cleaning streets you you know how to clean the street right Mm -hmm. under any conditions you are the top-notch street cleaner and so I felt like I was able to try anything. Mm. Um, I did once ask him if it was okay for me to be a prostitute. And then he was like... Um, <laughs> Would you be serious? Um, well, he said I could be anything. <laughs> so I was like, are you sure? Can I be a prostitute? He didn't say no. <laughs> so he he's got the best, best honey. <laughs> Do you suck dick good? <laughs> if not, no. <laughs> Precisely. So I think from coming from that, I... I'm, I feel like I had the, the, the right to try anything, okay. to go at anything that I might think I find interesting. Mm. So when I was in Jamaica and I did this, I was like, I, I went all the way. And I was able to constantly be performing, constantly be engaged with uh, improving my craft. But then when I came here, I'm going to tell you, I haven't performed in a year and a half, two years maybe, of the three years that I've been here. Because it's it is really difficult to know where to go, and then being a woman, which is another thing that I have been reminded of um, being in this country, that being a woman and then being a black woman is is not it's it's just not going to be easy for you. And then I'm experiencing that. Oh yeah, yeah, really, it's not going to be easy for you <laughs> mm. um, because I've seen I've in Jamaica there is like 
women in every kind of superior position. Mm. Bank managers, owners of... Prime ministers. Prime ministers and all that stuff. And I've come here and I work in the West End and I'm going to tell you, I've only ever seen one black female in a position of power. And that has been the case for the last 30 years. She's the one. Mm. One no more. Like, mm. that just makes no sense to me. And, you know, if, if this woman goes out, I cannot imagine that another black person is going to have have this job available to them to be able to even, like, go for it. Mm. You know what I mean? And that, that says to me that why hasn't it, why, why hasn't that been the case? There's a whole lot of super qualified people in this country that are not doing the jobs that they can do 10 times over and so and within the arts arts um and theater where you need to be beautiful and you need to be regarded as beautiful and you need to have brands and you need to be able to to be you know Nicki Minaj and and all these things it makes it even more difficult because you're now being judged not just on your skills you're also being judged on the way you look and black women are just not what is regarded as beautiful. So it becomes really difficult. But like I said, there are strides being taken. We do see a lot of black female characters out there now mm. um, in on all various different kinds of platforms in film. I mean, Queen and Slim just came out and Jodie Turner is amazing. And amazing. she's a black woman <laughs> with short kinky black hair. So I'm just like, yay, that's a win for us. But mm. can you know, we depend on when we're going to see another one? Mm. What's mad is like, um, you just remind... So like, I have a friend who... Her boyfriend went to RADA and from his class, all of the boys have been signed. Like, every single guy has a contract and none of the women have. Wow. Like, it's that's mad. mad. And, and that is like the, the best of the to, best. Yeah. Like, and then what do you do with that? You've worked so hard. There must have been like some so really expensive. qualified mm. people. Well, and you spend so much money and then you're told, mm, no, not And so then much. the next thing that people tell you is that if you're not, which is what you're doing, you're creating your own space to demonstrate your talent mm-hmm. or your work, right? But even that in and of itself, as I'm sure you can attest to, is expensive, expensive. difficult, yeah. time yeah. consuming when you have a nine to five go ahead <laughs> yeah no no yeah you're you're complete it's not easy because i and your money money comes out of your pocket in ways that you don't even you never even planned like i i'm not going into this production having a lot of like funding which is something that you need to have in order to engage with any kind of festival like this where you're putting on your own work you mm-hmm. need to have funding and I'm learning that in in the hard way now because in Jamaica I could do so much with much less but it's it's really hard to do that here like you need to be able to pay a producer you need to be able to pay a marketing person you need to be able to pay the lighting the technical people you need to be able to pay and 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 then I then I need to pay myself for my time and my effort and I need to buy props and I need to do all these things and it's just like I need the money. And where where do you go to get that kind of funding? At? And is it always available to you? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, in going through this process, do you find that there is a niche black community within Theaterland? And is there so is there a safe space for you where you can find? I think there is, but it's not on my radar yet because I'm really I'm still young here. Mm. Um, my first year here, I year here, I 
didn't talk to anyone. I didn't. I was in school for the whole time, and it was really intense. So I didn't meet any new person, um, and I. So I therefore I don't know where all the black spaces are f- that are catering to the experience. I know that there are platforms such as Blacktress, um, and I recently went to uh, a creative social for people of color at the Omnibus Theater, and. It was just a small group of people around a table just having a conversation. It was one of the most supportive. It was one of the best days I've ever had in London because of the way in which people were able to talk about their experiences and feel supported. A woman, a black woman said to us that she walked, she was being trained to go into auditions and the the auditioner said, oh, no, 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 no. You're, you're, you're coming in at a 10. And she's like, yeah, but, you know. And he's like, no, 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 I'm a seven, so you need to come under that and, and so that you don't put the, the auditionee, the auditioner off. And she's like, but... I didn't get it. So you're coming in to do an interview for a part. Yeah. And... The, how do you go to an interview? You dress up. You make sure that oh, you're a game. Like a yeah, so she feels oh. coming in strong and confident. He's like, oh no, you need to pull that down a notch because I'm a seven. So you need to be lower than me so that I feel good so that I can give you the part. And she's like, wow. but and so it, within her work, she's challenging those ways of training. And so I'm like, okay, so there are places out there where this kind of conversation is happening this kind of challenge is happening I, they're just not all on my radar yet but i'm looking for y'all I'm looking for- <laughs> <laughs> yeah on that note let people know about the night woman where to watch it how to watch it the um, discount code yep <laughs> I love this so the night woman will be at the vault festival which is on leak street at waterloo um it is on march 17 and 18 at 6 20 it's a weird number so you have to remember 6 20 p.m not um, six PM. o'clock <laughs> not 6 30 no it's 6 20 and they're very strict on time so you know be there um and yes it's only for two days so come out. All dope black women get a discount, a 10% discount mm-hmm. at um, using the code TNW10. So that's the initials of the night woman. <laughs> you know what? You gave me the discount code and I was like, what the fuck does TNW mean? <laughs> it's, it's just now that you're saying this. I'm really? like, Ew. It makes sense. <laughs> it's the initials of the night woman. 10. So <laughs> T N W 10. All dope black women get that. So come. I really want a lot of black faces, black people to be in the audience for this one. So I'm 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 calling for you. And where can people get tickets? So it's all online. So you have to go to the vaultfestival.com to get tickets there. And if people just want to connect with you generally to collaborate or just to get to know another oh, dope yes, black please woman. Collaborate with me. Socials. Um, my Twitter handle is at Jolene Robinson. Um, I'm also on Facebook at Jolene Robinson as well. My Insta. <laughs> <laughs> so you can see those hot pics. Is <laughs> at Basson Jules. You need to spell it. And I know, tell the right? Story. I know. I'm. I made it when I was in high school or early UE, 
early university. And it, it's just to commemorate a friend of mine, a friend that I have that I really love and she's really close. And I'm just not able to, we haven't been close for a long time, but this is my way of remembering her. Um, and her middle name is Bessonjean, which is B-I-S-H-O-N. So it's like Bichon. But it's French. What's <laughs> 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 her name? <laughs> when you were signing up for the Christmas, the dope I black was like, Christmas. Um, Bichon? <laughs> no. I was like, who is that? And then it took a second to be like, oh, she's talking about jewels. Yeah, yeah. So it's Bichon Jewels on Instagram. Dope. I've tried changing it, but it's really hard. <laughs> so no. that's where you can find me. Yeah. Awesome sauce. So thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thanks for being here. Um, thanks for having me. Oh. Yeah, I have to say this is one of like the deepest, most insightful conversations I think we've oh had. Like, God. I think we're all leaving the room, like really thinking about the notion of darkness, how we incorporate it into our language, mm. um, and how we feel about it generally. So thank you. And um, thanks very much for listening, guys. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to the podcast. As always, wherever you get them from, on Twitter and Instagram, we are Dope Black Woman One, and on Facebook, we're just Dope Black Woman. Um, we will be back with you next week. But until then, stay blessed and unapologetically black. All the way black, blackly black, black All the way black. Blackly black. Be black, y'all. No, 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 no. We have, okay, no, we have a way of doing things around here. Okay, I just all right. You, you have a line. Jules you have a line. Every week. You so she should know. Yeah, black she trust her. No, okay. I know. This is like, hello, governor, all over again. You have one line. My favorite bit is saying blackity black. That's true. That's mine. I'm sorry. That one's taken. You have your line. Do it again. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.